Hello, foodie fans. Welcome to the Big Food Talk, produced by Tough Monkey Entertainment. I'm your host, Sal Conca. This show supports restaurants, chefs, and food pioneers with your help. Head to BigFoodTalk.com to make your donation today or check out our fun apparel line with proceeds going directly to participating restaurants. Special thanks to the Long Island Food Council, DineLI Facebook Group, and Yelp Long Island for supporting this episode. Today I'm speaking with Joseph Ganascoli, actor and chef best known for his role as Vito in the HBO series The Sopranos. Joe's been doing his part to give back to the community raising thousands of dollars for frontline workers and delivering meals from local restaurants. Let's hear Joe's story. Joe, welcome to the Big Food Talk. It's so great to have you here today. How are you doing? Good, Sal. How are you? I'm doing good, thanks. You know, just taking things day by day as we all are, right? Yes, that's all we can do. Absolutely. So... It's a whole new world out there. I know, I know. Every day is, uh, you know, waiting to hear what they're going to change next or if we're sheltered in place for longer, right? All these things. And so many people need help. And that's why I wanted to have you on the show today, because I've seen all the good that you've been doing in the community where you live, East Rockaway, South Nassau. Um, and, uh, you know, you've raised so much money already. But I know you've had such a great career and a passion for food. I don't think a lot of people know you're a celebrity chef, possibly. So, when did you discover your passion for cooking? When did you catch the cooking bug? Uh, I was young. I think I was in St. John's University, uh, 1920, and uh, realized that school wasn't for me. For me. So I um, got a job in a Manhattan restaurant, Manhattan Market on 54th and 2nd. The guy who started uh, David's Cookies. And this was probably 80, 81, just around the start of a Nouvelle Cuisine, if you remember back then. Yeah. Uh, and I bounced around for a few restaurants. I was going to go to culinary school, but uh, I decided to um, uh, work in as many restaurants as I can and just be a sponge and work day and night, some places for nothing, just to learn and, and absorb. And then a couple of years after that, I moved to New Orleans and worked at Commander's Palace for three years. Yeah, that's really interesting. I wanted to talk to you about Commander's Palace. I've actually been there. My wife threw me a surprise 40th trip, and it was to New Orleans for my first time, and she booked my 40th birthday dinner at Commander's Palace. So I've been there. I've had the cuisine. I'm sure it was long after you've been there, obviously. But uh, Commander's Palace has this great reputation. How did you end up there, and, and what was it like working in that uh, legendary restaurant? Well, when I first got to New Orleans, I, uh, I worked at Arnaud's, which was in the quarter, very famous, Galatoire's, which was famous, got fired from both, I was young, and uh, I thought I knew more than I actually knew, um, so I settled into uh, uh, Commander's Palace, I think a friend got me a job there. I was there for about a year and a half, and then I went to the younger version of uh, Cajun Cuisine. New Orleans cuisine, Mr. B's, which was uh, the son of the owners, of Commanders. And Commanders was um, legendary. It's one of the top 10 in the uh, country. I'll always remember the uh, owner's brother, 
uh, there were two, there was a lot of brother, uh, family, big family, they split up. So one opened Brennan's and one opened Commander's Palace. So Commander's Palace has been there over 100 years. Mm-hmm. And I remember every morning him going around to everything in the kitchen with, I don't know, 40 little spoons, teaspoons. Um, yeah, really, really great stories there at Commander's Palace. And uh, the food there is wonderful and it has a reputation for a reason. So now all this time you're cooking, I know you're dabbling in acting. How'd you catch the acting bug? How does that, how does the transition happen? Yeah, I didn't dabble to quite some time later. I, acting wasn't, I wasn't even thinking about acting. I had a passion for cooking. It's not like I really came from a big cooking family. Okay. Uh, wasn't huge meals with everybody talking about food. My mother was a good cook. But um, um, I, I don't know what led me to it, but uh, I wound up in the, in the cooking field. And years later, I became a chef working at a restaurant called Jack's on 73rd and Lex in Manhattan. And it was a way to say, you know, do this uh, play. You'd be great for a role. Do you want to come audition? So I did. And that's how I got my first taste of acting. Um, I said, you know, I like doing this. It was fun. So he should say, you should go study with my... uh, acting teacher, which is what I did. I got out of the restaurant business. And after about a year and a half studying and selling ice cream from a cart in Wall Street, I was living, living the bohemian life, the actor's life, and I was starting to be broke. So I gave that up, went back into uh, restaurants. I get bored easily. So after making so much money and you know, night after night after night, I lived in the building that the restaurant was in in Bay Ridge. Um, I'm a big sports fan, started gambling heavily and lost a lot of money, cashed out and moved to Los Angeles to pursue the acting. That's the short end of it. That's incredible. I mean, so, so you're really living this different lifestyle and you're trying to figure things out. You get involved in a play. And I know early on, you had some really interesting meetings. Like you met Benicio Del Toro very early on, who was influential in your career and getting you additional roles. So were you, as you pursued acting, were you just going on tons of auditions and not getting roles? Were you getting roles? Or did you just have relationships like this where, you know, people brought you in, they thought you'd be good for a part? I uh, moved to Los Angeles and I started working in restaurants there and um, started meeting people, but it's so hard to get auditions without an agent. You can't get an agent without, you know, movie roles. So it was tough. Uh, I finally got cast in a movie, which I was a day player. I had one scene. Normally they use like local talent. They were filming in Pittsburgh, but they flew me out, which was pretty cool. And I, I didn't meet Benito Del Toro, but I, uh, he saw the movie and then, reached out to me, and then he cast me in the short film he directed with Matthew McConaughey and Valeria Galino. I was the lead. And so that became a friendship, <clears throat> and um, he introduced me. I moved back after many years in L.A. I got tired of it, and I moved back to New York, kept in touch with Benicio, and he um, introduced me to the casting directors of Sopranos. And that started the whole thing. And then, as you know, um, well, we'll get into the acting later, but um, that's a curious thing about The Sopranos, but we'll talk about that. Yeah, I know, you know, for, for people that may not remember, you're one of the only few characters on the show that had 
played dual roles essentially, right? You were cast once as a as a, as a day part, right? And then they brought you back for a recurring role. So what was that experience like and how long did that transition take? Well, um, fans know that really study it and watch it over and over and over. I was a different uh, character named, named Gino in a bakery scene. Uh, Michael or oh, Chris comes, Chrissy comes in and gets disrespected by the kid behind the uh, counter. He winds up shooting him in the in the foot, a little homage to him getting shot in the foot in Goodfellas. I was trying to get uh, some pastries and bread, and I say, what about my bread? And he goes, you get it later, and he throws me out. And um, then they brought me uh, back for Vito, which was pretty cool. Um, I had no idea. I remember at the time, when I first got that role as Gino, I said to the casting director, because I never made it, they said, check with us every few weeks, every few months. Um, I said, I really want to do TV, and I just want to do movies. I mean, what do I know, right? I'm like a nobody. And they said, listen, this is going to be big. Make sure you do this. We want you to uh, audition for Gene on this role. So I did, and then uh, for some reason, they brought me back as Vito, which was pretty cool. Yeah, it's awesome. And I know you guys now, the, the show is, it's a living legend, the show in and of itself. I mean, the cast that was there, James Gandolfini, the the culture around it, the Italian culture around the show. You know, fans are just rabid for that show. I mean, they still have a Soprano con, I believe, every year. And, you know, the fans of the show just still love it. They watch it all the time. They continue to rewatch. Um, and food, you know, on that show was an integral part of things. So how was food a part of that? I know that all you guys love to eat. Was food on set all the time? Did you guys just share cooking and meals? Did you cook for the cast? How does it have, how integral was food in The Sopranos? Well, Italians were always eating, right? So, uh, and you always see uh, Tony always eating and food was always around. Uh, no, I didn't cook. Um, they really didn't utilize my cooking skills, except for one season much later, when you see me cooking for um, Johnny Cakes. Mm -hmm. And uh, I got to show little knife skills and sort of thing. Um, but um, uh, I would have liked to cook for them. Um, but again, we always had either, you know, food on set in the scene or ordered from a restaurant when we were going late or uh, just craft services. I mean, those, those, uh, those, that food was pretty good, actually. Absolutely. <laughs> I would imagine craft services at The Sopranos being pretty good. I mean, I've done a bunch of indie work. I work on independent films. My partner and I, you know, we're serving up food to the casting crew. It's nothing spectacular. <laughs> you know, we're getting some pizza takeout and things like that. But, uh, you know, you've been a local guy. You're a local here. You live in South Nassau. Um, you're originally from Brooklyn, I know. Um, and, and now as things have changed with what's going on with COVID, you've really stepped up to the plate in terms of giving back to the community community and helping out. Um, how, how much money have you raised so far to help the community? What happened was, was that uh, my sister-in-law works at labor delivery at uh, Mount Sinai in South Nassau, Oceanside. And my niece works at Jacoby Hospital in the Bronx and she got the virus. She got better, she's back working. Uh, but my sister-in-law, Telling me, you know, I was hearing stories of what they're going through. And so being a uh, restaurant guy, I said, you know, 
I saw a lot of my neighborhood close, and then the ones that did reopen, I was struggling with nobody allowed in, takeout, delivery. So I said, how can I help both? And um, I started with the goal of raising $1,000 so I could stop buying and taking them food. And it sort of uh, mushroomed, got word of mouth, and this restaurant in my neighborhood, Villa Maria, their daughter's husband has a contracting, Thomas Nobelli contracting in Farmingdale, donated 5000 So after that, I was off and running, and I kept upping at 10000 15 25 now 50 So I've raised over just uh, about twenty-seven five, and I've spent it on, I've tried to spread around with all the different restaurants, whether it be breakfast at IHOP and Oceanside, uh, bagels, a couple of bagel stores, a lot of lunches from Villa Maria, especially. Vincent's Clam Bar and Carl Place, the most generous guys ever. Yeah. Tony and Bobby Marisi. Uh, and all these other restaurants. So they usually throw in a lot of stuff. They stretch my dollar. But I want to make sure that they're making money and I you know, pay them whatever their bill is. Yeah. And um, I take it to these hospitals. But so many people got in touch, you know, in nursing homes. And then I did it to the post offices. And I did it many times. East Rockaway and Oceanside, fire departments gave them gift certificates. Uh, police departments gave them, marine police, uh, sanitation, all the essentials, nursing homes. Um, having, uh, uh, my aunt's 104, got the COVID. She's getting hopefully released this week. Wow. Um, I, yeah, I took her to uh, Sheepshead Bay Nursing Home uh, in my neighborhood nursing home. So, I, you know, I have a hard time saying no, and it's usually I take it around 12, 12.30. The night shift doesn't get it, so I felt bad for them. And then the overnight shift doesn't get anything. Um, having, a, you know, food sent there at 11 o'clock, I've taken there at 8 o'clock. Uh, police in West Park, Babylon. I mean, I, I, I have a hard time saying no, and as long as I have money to keep doing it, I keep going. And that's amazing, Joe. And I got, I mean, you know, you're a one-man show. It's not like you're doing this with a huge team of people, right? I mean, you're literally going personally. You're picking up the food. You're dropping off at these places. You're doing it all. Um, it's really amazing to see, you know, one man step up and do this. Um, I think, you know, from your last Instagram post that said, you know, you raised uh, $27,000 already. I mean, that's a, that's an incredible amount. Uh, to have raised so far. And I saw, like you said, the, the amount of restaurants you've supported from uh, Villa Maria to Vincent's to IHOP, La Familia, and the list goes on and on. And the the places that you've donated, I mean, 10 times to Mount Sinai, uh, Jacoby, where, where your family works, Mercy, Winthrop, the post office, the police departments, the UPS driver I saw on there. I thought that was interesting, right? Is that your neighborhood UPS driver you brought him food? Neighborhood is, but you know, he always gets shut out when I take it to the post office. Because time he gets there, it's gone already. I feel bad. I said, you know what? Let me just get you a gift certificate. You go in the neighborhood, you know, when you want. And so I hit him a few times. Um, yeah, I, I try to uh, hit everybody as much as I could. Uh, I'm just thinking about now my uh, the guy who drops off my water. I saw the bottles out. I'm saying, you know, I got to get him a gift certificate because he's going from house to house. Yeah. So I got to add him to the list. There you go. And it's just incredible. And this is, I've said it many times on this show already, but the humility that everybody has out of this situation, you know, we know everybody's going to be struggling. We know the economy is going to be tough. We know, you know, restaurants are not going to open again, but if, if there's things that we can do and guys like you that are out there doing this, 
you know, it, it's a great effort to support. Um, you know, that's my next question. Where, how do people get in touch with you? How can they make a donation so you can give back in your community? How do, how do people reach out to you? What's the best way? Well, they can always go to my Facebook or my Twitter. They'll see I post videos and pictures of the deliveries because I want everything documented. But also, so I have a link up there. Usually if they scroll around, they'll see my GoFundMe. Or just go right to GoFundMe, put in my name in the shirts, Joseph Canascoli. See the Joe with Joseph Canascoli. My uh, thing will come up, meals for um, re restaurants. Um, I'm sorry. Food for uh, hospital workers and restaurants. I forgot what it is. I also contribute to a, a needy family that I know, a uh, Spanish family. That husband's not working. They little baby. I've gone to CVS, got diapers and stuff that they need for the house and bring them food. Um, but so they can go to the GoFundMe or, or my pages and they'll find the link. And uh, ideally, I want to go probably another three weeks. I mean, until June, I'll see where I'm at. Yeah. But I want to keep going because the place that I brought just once, you know, I want to get back to them and continue the ones I'm doing like regularly. So, yeah, that's about it. That's wonderful, Joe. We really appreciate it. I mean, everybody here on Long Island is going to appreciate what you're doing. I hope uh, this gives some more light into what you're doing and more people contribute to the fund. We'll put links to the GoFundMe and all your pages in the show notes to this, uh, you know, to this uh, episode of the of the Big Food Talk. Is there anything else that you want to share with the community or folks listening today that that people should know about you or what you're doing? Uh, I just appreciate. Oh, I mean, there's been so many uh, supportive and kind words that people have written. Um, and I appreciate that. It means a lot. Um, I just hope that uh, no one has to go through anyone that they know. And those who have had losses, I uh, feel bad for my heart. I had a close friend that passed. Um, I know two other people that passed. And um, I've been kind of lucky. I wear my Padre Pio bracelet. Beautiful. And I'm very cautious, you know, with the mask and, um, you know, I'm always using the hand, hand sanitizer. And I also believe that uh, probiotics play a big thing. I think that hot coffee washes it down. My probiotics, whether it be yogurt, uh, I used to make my own kimchi. Um, but whatever I can to, uh, you know, I think that I've been blessed and lucky. I'm, I think I smoke cigars. Yeah. You know, I'm not in the best shape. I got, you know, some other lying things here, but I've been lucky. And so... It's keeping me, so hopefully, that's what I want to say to people of Long Island and everywhere. That's where it's, where it's gotten out. You know, TMZ did a story, and uh, uh, Newsday. So it's been helpful, and it's uh, helping me stay on my mission. Absolutely, Joe. Well, again, thanks so much for joining me today. I'm glad I could hear this story and, and, and share it with everybody that's listening to the Big Food Talk. Again, like I said, everything will be in the show notes from the show, and you guys can all reach out to Joe on his GoFundMe page if you want to make a contribution. Be well, and I'll talk to you soon. Okay, Salad Boy, when it's all over, we'll break bread. Absolutely, I'm ready. <laughs> all right, pal, be well. Take care, Joe. See ya. Thanks for tuning in to The Big Food Talk, produced by Tough Monkey Entertainment. Subscribe on iTunes and wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow us on Instagram for behind-the-scenes takes or watch complete episodes on YouTube. Don't forget to make a donation at BigFoodTalk.com.